This is the Team Paper Podcast, featuring your hosts, Jesse Warren and Henry Hargitay. Welcome back another edition of the Team Paper Podcast. I'm Henry Hargitay. Jesse Warren out on assignment today, but she'll be back ready to rock and roll on Tuesday, uh, or on Thursday, rather. But nevertheless, not going to waste any time. Uh, the head coach of Florida State softball is kind enough to take some time to talk to us here. Someone I've always wanted to interview, and I'm so lucky that you're sitting here right in front of me. Lonnie Alameda, how is everything down in Tallahassee? Everything's great. It's 77 and sunshine right now, so it is going great. So thanks for having me, Henry. This is exciting. And yes, we miss Jesse, but we do keep in touch a lot. So I'm glad that uh, she's spreading the softball world um, some good stories with you. So it's pretty awesome. Yeah, and let's just talk about Jesse for a second because this is obviously a conversation I, I was hoping to have while she was here. But you know, you when you recruit so many players, right? And you, you're seeing all these uh, younger girls turn into adults and come into your program uh, as girls and leave as women. Was there a point during the recruiting process with Jesse where you kind of said to yourself, like, "Hey, you know, this girl we're recruiting here could be a little bit different." Uh, well, I mean, her skill sets just, you know, before even getting to know Jess, like her skill sets for sure show that she could, you know, swing the bat. She could hit, she had power to all fields. She gloved it. Um, you know, she was raised a little bit around the baseball game, got into softball a little bit later. And so had a, a little mindset for uh, the smarts of the game. And that's something that we truly enjoy here. Uh, so just seeing that she came up to a clinic. So just seeing that on display obviously goes in the box of like, this kid's going to be special. Then you got to get to know the people, right, that are part of the program and how they're going to grow. And um, so spending time with Ruth, her mom uh, and her uncle and, and just getting to know the family a little bit. Uh, I knew that this was going to be a great place for her. Um, we're far enough away for her to grow up, but still close to see family and, and her brothers and all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, it was really important to make sure that we grew um, together, you know, as a squad because she's a really special person. Yeah. And one of the beautiful things about college sports is, you know, because of the fluctuation, you have so many athletes coming in and out of your program. I always say, you know, teams don't win, cultures win. Yeah. Uh, and I think Jesse was kind of the perfect embodiment of the culture that you've built. And that's about family. It's about respect. It's about doing things as a team. Um, talk a little bit about, you know, Jesse, the person, how that was just like the perfect fit for what Florida State represents. Yeah, I mean, again, you talked about it a little earlier, just, you know, coming in as a, a young, um, a young lady and growing into, you know, a woman to take on, you know, life. And I think Jess grew up in so many different areas. Um, you know, we had to talk a lot about just the, the balance of academics and, and, you know, cooking your own food and doing your own thing and, and just growing in that area and time management. And that's every single player and person that comes into college. And so, um, you know, I think probably the, the biggest thing for, for Jess was handling failure. Um, you know, just how do you handle failure? And I think we're so lucky in the coaching world to be able to um, allow sport to grow people. Um, you know, a lot of these kids that are super talented, just is super talented, you know, that you get to a certain level, like you start leveling up and you can handle a lot of levels, you know, and anything. And, and Jesse's like competitive in any silly winks. I don't care what it is, you know, pick up sticks, whatever it is. She's super competitive. Um, and she's, you know, like is very talented and then she got challenged a little bit here. And so I think that's the biggest thing is like, how do you handle failure once you get there? And so when you feel comfortable as um, a person, you feel comfortable in your own skin, you feel comfortable with the people around you. Now you're allowed to be vulnerable in those moments. And uh, I think that's where just, Jesse's growth really happened. 
is when she knew that we had her back as people and then really wanted her to you know be able to display her skills on the biggest level so probably most proud you know that side of it and you know at the world series when she made that catch and holly rose interviewing her afterwards and she was just it was just very a genuine interview and come from the heart and, and really proud of where she was from and really proud of the people that were on the journey with her and you could just feel that you know from her in that interview and um, when I was able to rewatch that, you know, I was just like, it just really hit home, you know, because you're definitely a, a part of their, their four years, which is such a small part of life, but such a big part of what road you want to take when you start to leave college and, and go into the real world. Yeah, well said. And, you know, we talk about leveling up. Uh, you guys certainly have leveled up this year. And one of my favorite things to ask uh, your players has been, you know, what was the turning point? Because Sydney Sherrill, she had such a funny quote when we talked to her uh, last week, I think it was. She said last year, the team felt like a struggle bus throughout the whole season where it took a while for things to click. But when we when it did click, we saw the result and, and how far you guys went and how just how close you guys were. She said the, the turning point was the LSU game last year in the tournament. But everyone has seemingly had a different answer about when the turning point was uh, and you guys turned it on. Uh, what was it for you? When when did things start to click last year? Because whenever you hit that switch, it has not been turned off since. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I think last year um, we really bought into one side of the ball. Like we were all about pitching and defense and we had so much fun with that part of it. Um, so there was a part of our game. We were winning ball games, um, but the offensive side was still searching for their identity. Like, what are we? And we had to go through so many boxes to check. Like we got experience here. Why are we not hitting home runs? Um, we should be able to situational hit. Like we should be able to do something. What are we not tapping into um, that can get this other side of the ball rolling? And, you know, honestly, I think, um, you know, Mudge got a chance to, to get there in the lineup and um, she started having some just QPAs, quality plate appearances, like just simple little things, base hits. Like, and, you know, Mudger is just such a, you know, uh, bright light like she brings joy to everything and you know she just kind of stay the course stay the course stay the course lots of ball game left like always positive things so i would say that she was a little spark plug in a lot of that um obviously elizabeth mason you know danny morgan cast david like they all had big swings and big moments for us so you know i think that was a big part of their experience showing up so it was a lot of it just coming together and then saying hey let's let's just do this let's run the bases let's situational hit. And if a big hit comes, um, so, you know, I, I think it was a kind of a, a, kind of an ongoing, maybe a little flame that was going that just really erupted at one point, but they really bought into the pitching and defense all season long. So it wasn't like a, a one thing. It was just a matter of one piece starting to get that run. Yeah. Offensively this year from the outside viewer, it feels like the identity has been the home run ball. And that's in large part because of Eden Fields, who's been, off the charts this year uh do you in your eyes do you think you've figured out the identity offensively yet or is that something that comes later on in the season um i mean if we always talk about it, but it is later in the season like when you get into postseason which we're getting ready to run into a pretty good buzzsaw here of a lot of good quality teams that we're going to play in a row and it is towards the end of the semester and you got to balance all your finals and like you got to balance all these expectations so we'll start to see what it looks like but mickey i mean michaela's been incredible she really has and um, she's really handled her maturity has been also, uh, really incredible. Um, I think we're really proud of how she's handled these big moments and the failure moments. Like I talked about Jesse too, you know, like 
I, those kids that can come in and, and hit a ball to the parking garage, um, but then know on the other side, there could be some strikeouts and some backwards Ks and how they handle those up and downs continues their career and their moments. And, and Michaela's been incredible at that part, but we've definitely kept up with the situational hitting. Like that has been something from last year we brought with us the base running, something we lot, you know, like really, really like this is what we do and continue to do it. Um, if a big swing comes, you know, that's awesome. So Kaylee Harding swinging it, you know, we, we've got, uh, I mean, Dev Flaherty has been consistently amazing yeah. at the plate for us. She's just not talked about a ton, but really producing every time she comes with a quality plate appearance. You know, I think people always talk about production. What does it look like? If you got someone that's engaged in every pitch and giving you everything they have every pitch, you know, that illuminates, in, you know, the offense. And so they, they just really been getting after some quality stuff. Yeah. All right. So I'm going to shift gears for a second. And uh, a little bit about me. I'm I've always been a basketball nerd. And one thing I always tell uh, younger basketball players, um, you know, whether I'm training them or just around them or whatever, I say, watch different a- assets of the game. Watch international ball. You should watch college ball and you should watch NBA ball because there's a vast difference between the three. You've had a lot of experience on the international side of things as a coach and as a player. Yeah. Um, can you talk a little bit about the differences in style between the international game and the college game, because I think, like I said, I'm always trying to grow this sport. Um, and I think, you know, in order to do that, there needs to be a national, not, not just a national, but an international talk about the game. And um, I feel like you probably have a good perspective on the differences. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that those that go on and play in other countries um, somewhat professionally, like I was able long, long time ago to play in, in Holland, and I, when you go play, you love it. You have a passion for it. So um, we in the university system here at, in the United States have amazing opportunities. We have, you know, all these coaches and nutritionists and strength coaches, you know, you go play in another country and they don't have anything like that, you know? So like the passion from the international game, the, the passion to go on, you just love sport for sport. Um, where when you get to college, it's like another level of growing as a person. And there's so much support here for you to grow. Um, so I think sometimes it'd be really nice for a freshman to come in and go overseas and play somewhere that they're just playing for the sheer passion of it to come back here and be like, oh man, I want to take advantage of everything here. Where sometimes you get out of high school and you get here and, and you have it all, but you just take it for granted, you yeah. know? So I think all this goes on in play and like, you know, being with team Canada this last summer and winning a medal, um, you know, those kids had to figure out how to train. And a lot of them didn't have the opportunities like these kids have here, you know, with strength coaches, they had to commit to their workouts in the morning and commit to um, each other. You know, if they're within two hours, they're meeting on a Friday, Saturday, Sunday to work out because only five of them could work out at one time. So the commitment and passion side of the international is, is awesome. And, you know, for me, I, I continue to get involved in every aspect of sport because um, if we can't hang our hat on the university level, like we've got to grow this game to get corporate sponsorship, to get, um, professional games going to get, you know, the Olympics every four years, like can we be in the Olympics every four years? Now you can get sponsorship. So now people like Jesse Warren can leave and have a career in softball for a long time versus yeah. trying to, um, play for six weeks to two months and then, you know, figure out how to make a living on the other side of that. You know, it's just, it's really tough. So. Where is the tipping point point for us? I don't know when it flips to um, all opportunities to play, but I'm going to give my all in trying to figure that piece out and try to help every aspect of the game. So I truly think you're right on that. Like if we care about the game and want to protect the game, we've got to look at it at all areas where it's being played and how we can help it and how we can grow it. 
Yeah. And so last year, uh, we're going to talk about this year. I know I keep bringing last year up, but last year, I think you guys in the Women's College World Series coincided at a point in our country where we were so hungry for sports. We had gone through that long COVID period with no fans. And so to see 13,000 people, granted, they were all probably rooting against you, (laughs) jam-packed in there. It was refreshing for a lot of people, especially myself. I missed that. And um, I think it it created a, a new audience for softball that maybe didn't exist. So my question is, if that was step one, and maybe just showing people who were so hungry for sports what this game could be, what's step two going forward in terms of keeping that audience? Yeah, well, I mean, I think that what's going on right now is, you know, we're selling out of stadiums. Softball is selling it. You hear every, every time you watch on TV, like, oh, they sold out. I know everywhere we went this year, we sold out tickets. Yeah. You know, we went down to FIU, sold out tickets. But the problem is we're seats in stadiums for 500, 600 fans, right? So like, what if we had four or 5,000 seats? You know, what if we had that in every stadium in softball? What would it look like for us? And would we be selling out? So it's one thing, like people loving it, watching the TV. Are they actually coming to games? Yes, they are. You see what's happening in a lot of these venues. Can we get softball growing? Can we get more seats in the stands? Can we get more marketing? Can we promote it? And then I don't know where it goes, you know, but we're really putting something on the field, product on the field that people enjoy. And then I think the other piece, which I'm not in the business talks and I'm not in the, the, the rooms, the closed door rooms, like where is the funding coming from for the next level of softball? You know, what does corporate sponsorship look like? What is, you know, if, if we're rating on TV, what is the value of that? Where does it go? Yeah. I don't know those questions, but you know, I mean, that's what you hear on uh, football and basketball. They get this money, you know, where is that next step for women's sports? And um, you know, you looked at the women's basketball final four and what we're doing at the world series and um, just, there's some excitement going on. So, you know, we just got to continue to pour into our student athletes, pour into the game and then continue to push to give opportunities for people to experience it live. And definitely, you know, what we show product wise on TV. Yeah. All right. Once again, shifting gears here, but, um, you know, obviously the college athletics landscape was completely upended with NIL, uh, getting put into place. And I, you know, we see a lot of coaches, some say, you know, I want nothing to do with it. My, my guys or my girls, they're here for softball. They're here for baseball. They're here for football. They're not here to run a business, you know? And then we see other coaches say things like, you know, we understand that, you know, to win college football, you had to win recruiting, but now to win recruiting, you have to win NIL. So we've seen, and then, and then on the other hand, you have coach K coming out and saying, this all needs to be looked at and reevaluated. Where do you stand on the topic of NIL and how players should go about it? Uh, I mean, again, we're not so much involved with it because, you know, this is something that they're doing on their own deal. So um, I'm not a big fan. I love the special part of amateur sports. You know, I really do love that part of it. Um, but I'm also never the one to put my foot down and not be against something. Let me hear what it's doing and, and it can help you. So I think we've had a very healthy environment here. I think Kaylee Mudge was one of the first ones to um, start negotiating deals. And then our team did a lot of them in team deals. So yeah. there was no animosity. Um, everyone had opportunities. Um, a lot of them are, you know, can go off and do their own thing too, but they definitely are pretty healthy with that conversation with the team. Um, just like social media, when social media was big, I wasn't you know, going to take phones away or social media accounts away from kids because it is life. And so NIA deals like business is life. 
So I'm running a softball business right now. I'm the CEO of softball. Like I have to learn how to do business. And it took me a long time to learn that, how to manage people, how to, how to honor contracts, how to be respectful, like, you know, how to do all those things when you're running your business. So these kids are learning it at a young age. So to me, um, it's pretty awesome to have really good big kid conversations about a lot of this. Um, but also on the other side, if you don't take care of the foundation, so we as coaches can get so caught up on the outside, but really the inside is what matters. So yes, recruiting is what the lifeline for us, but it is our team and it's our people right here, right now that we got to keep pouring into because that's going to attract what is going to be here down the line. So, um, really, really unique world, you know, that we're in, but it is the world and we got to jump in and give our best advice as we move forward. Yeah. So do you t- tend to lean on the side of someone like coach K and listen, I know this is a softball podcast, but mm-hmm. um, you know, th- that's a guy who's been the face of college basketball for the past 40 years now. And so I think when he comes out and says something like that, mm-hmm. every, everyone seems to listen. Um, so do you tend to lean more towards that where you think the gray area, it could be kind of dangerous. Well, I think the gray area has always been there. It's just now out in the open, like, you know, pay- players have been paid for a long time, some way, somehow, so now it's just a layer that they're opening up to try to make it somewhat legal. And, uh, you know, I do, you know, I mean, we got to protect the kids. I, I think that's the one thing a lot of us are seeing right now is you got kids trying to make their Instagram and their TikToks look like it's the greatest thing going on in the world. Like, cause they're trying to attract people to get the followers, to get the money. But in reality, the mental health of the student athlete, what they're chasing is not healthy for where they're at right now. So as we start to see this blow up a little bit, like, can you really have that good relationship with your player to be like, man, social media doesn't matter. What matters is you. And how do we take care of you? So the pressures that are coming on these kids from the outside is, is pretty intense, which again, goes back to relationships, but you know, it's taken a layer off of what has always been underneath. You know, we're all, I mean, I think players have gotten away with athletes have gotten away with a lot of things or coaches have gotten away. That's what the NCAA has all these things. And now they open it up. Now we've got to look at that another layer to protect our student athletes and protect um, the the outside world influencing some of these kids' decisions, um, whether it's where they're going to school or while they're in school, the things that they're doing. Because amateur sports should be amateur; you should be learning about yourself through the sport. And some people are definitely losing that. So a second look would not be a bad thing by any means. Um, but we also got to live things when they're new. You got to live them, you know. Like we can't have a knee jerk reaction to them. Like we got to live them a little bit and gather them, gather information and try to make it the best we can. Yeah, no, I appreciate those candid thoughts. And last NIL question here, but you know, we've seen NIL has already completely changed how college football coaches recruit players and probably the same for basketball. Do you see that same effect, uh, you know, translating to softball maybe? Uh, I have heard about it a little bit here and there. And, you know, there's rumors here. I don't know what the truth is to some of the deals that are going on. Um, But I think at the end of the day, man, you can have the biggest house and it can look like a mansion, but are you happy inside? You know, and and I will always continue to to argue that, you know, that um, it, what is special is winning championships. You know, like I know money talks, never wants that, but people with lots of money at some point, like they want to be happy and they want to get something that not money can't buy. You can't buy special feelings and teammates and, and earning it and grinding it. Like you can't, and you can't sustain that either. So like, make sure that the house is happy first before, you know, we move on to bigger things. So I just think that's a really important point sometimes to, to keep coming back to. That's really well said. Cause you're right. It's not like professional baseball where you could, you know, buy a championship like the Yankees or whatever, 
or, you know, although that hasn't worked out for them uh, too well lately, let's go Mets. But nevertheless, uh, I can't thank you enough for taking the time to talk to us here. Uh, next time we'll do it. And Jesse will be on board also. She'll be here, but uh, <laughs> best of luck to you guys the rest of the way you guys have a, You have a great team. You've built an incredible program. I love talking to all the players that you guys have. They've been uh, super fun to work with. So keep doing your thing. And uh, we can't wait to watch you guys. Thanks so much, coach. Thanks, Henry. Take care. Thanks for checking out the Team Paper Podcast. Don't forget to go to teampaper.com and subscribe to support your favorite teams.